Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli. Hello, and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficcicelli. And this program, Answering the Call, uh, gives us this opportunity to get to know some of our ordained clergy and our religious and our diocese and find out about their particular faith journey as they answered their call to a religious vocation in the church. And there's a saying that goes, bloom where you're planted. And my guest today has not stayed planted in one place for long, ever, but he has managed to bloom all the same. And God's going to be using that in a special way as he lives out his vocation as a priest and ultimately a military chaplain. So join me in welcoming Father Chris Yakel from the Perry County Consortium of Parishes. Good morning, Father Yakel. Hey, good morning, Elizabeth. How's it going? It is going great. And you're there in Perry County. Now, that represents a couple of parishes, correct? It does. We've, we've got four parishes. We've got St. Rose and Newlax, uh, St. Patrick Junction City, St. Bernard and Cording, and Church of the Atonement in Crooksville. Okay, wow. So, so we... Greet all that. And so they got you running down there from parish to parish, That's right. Huh? We, we, got, we got the southern half of Perry County covered. <laughs> all right. We welcome all of you today to the program. And, you know, Father, the, the reference I made to you in that intro uh, about moving around started way back with your family during um, your dad's military service. So for the benefit of our listeners, give us a snapshot of all, just all the places you've lived growing up. Yeah, sure. So, uh, like you said, my dad was uh, uh, in the military. He was in the Air Force uh, for pretty much my whole life growing up. So I was born in North Carolina, and then I moved to Washington State, then to New Mexico, then to Illinois, then to Oklahoma, then to England, and then uh, my family. And then I moved to Hawaii, which is where I graduated from high school. So that was kind of where I my dad was in the military a little bit longer, but that's kind of where I transitioned and uh, moved to Ohio at that point to go to school. But yeah, so a lot of a lot of moving around growing up for sure. A lot of moving around. So you you came from this military family, but I know it was also a strong Catholic family. So tell us, uh, let's start there and tell us a little bit about the climate, um, you know, like the Catholic climate of your family as you grew up. Sure. Yeah. No, I've I've been very very blessed. Um, the faith has always been something. Uh, very important to to my family. Um, my parents were, of course, like always big on uh, taking us to mass every single Sunday and holy day of obligation. And I even remember, like, when we would go on vacations, that was it wasn't like a vacation from everything. It's like, nope, we're still going to mass. So mm-hmm. uh, it was it was very clear how important that was. Um, and then something else that, that, that uh, had an impact on me that I didn't even realize how much of a gift it was until later in life, but uh, the fact that we had dinner together almost every single night um, as a family. And so, of course, we would always uh, start the meal with grace, um, and we would talk about everything uh, at the dinner table. And a lot of times, especially as we started getting older, um, the topics of faith kind of naturally came up. and. It was not uncommon to to talk about uh, different things related to the Catholic faith. And then um, even I would say we we would a lot of times pray together before we would would go to bed as well. We would do some kind of uh, just prayer together um, as a family, which which was awesome. 
So, and I probably should mention this. I, so I have uh, my older sister, uh, and she's married and has four kids, and I have a younger brother. And all of us right now, all of my, my parents, my sister and her family, and my brother, all live in the state of Ohio, which is amazing, because at one point I think we were all in different states. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. So what would you say, Father, were the challenges and the benefits of moving around so frequently? In that, sure. In that yeah, time. I challenge definitely with having to um, change new schools. So of course, every time you move to a new place, yet uh, you have to get used to new teachers, new classes. Um, I like for me, I, I love playing sports, and so I remember it was always kind of like you had to reprove yourself every time oh, you moved yeah. to a new place, uh, which is challenging. And then of course, uh, the biggest thing I would say was. Um, you know, making new friends every time uh, that you move to a new place, which could be challenging at times, especially when a lot of the times your moves happen during the summer. So you move during the summer, and you don't really get a chance to get to know many kids uh, until you go back to school. Um, But with that being said, uh, one thing that I think kind of was that resulted from that is uh, my siblings and I, um, became very, very close, our, our whole family. Um, and I think that's part of it is when you move to a new place, well, you're with your family. So it's actually like you're hanging out with your, your siblings um, when you first moved to a place. And so that, uh, I think, led us to be a more tight-knit family to rely on each other um, as we went through these moves and even as like, my, my dad deployed. Um, and then another benefit I would say, too, is just the fact that I did get to go to so many places growing up that a lot of people have never have a chance to go to. Um, and so that that was really a blessing, too, because you get to experience different cultures. Um, you, you you end up making a lot of friends who are all over the world. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of a, Literally, a cool thing right? as, as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's really neat. So while you came from this uh, solid Catholic upbringing, um, priesthood wasn't on the radar for you till later, till your college years. We're going to talk about that. But in the meantime, what were some of your aspirations growing up then, if that wasn't on your radar initially? Yeah, that's good. And I I remember when I was growing up, I'm sure there were lots of things that I thought about. I remember two in particular that I talked about quite a bit, which was at one point, I really wanted to be in law enforcement. I wanted to be a police officer. So that was something I felt drawn to. And then also I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. And I don't even really know where that <laughs> came from, uh, being a helicopter pilot. But I, I, I had, uh, for some reason, like an interest in both of those things. Um, and then ultimately when I went to college, uh, as is the case with a lot of uh, young people, I changed my major quite a few times, um, but was very interested in sports and health. Um, and so I ended up I ended up getting um, a degree in health promotion, kind of with a plan to work in the health field in some fashion or another. So at one point, I was looking at uh, working in corporate wellness. Uh, or working for uh, a nonprofit organization or something like that. So yeah, so lots of had a lot of interest growing up. It was kind of <laughs> interesting to see where the Lord kind of took me before I ultimately ended up in seminary. 
So let's go ahead and talk now about college. You mentioned that you went to uh, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. This is now where mm-hmm. where you've landed in Ohio. Um, and as you mentioned, you were pursuing the sports and health uh, passions and so, so forth. But I know it was also a pivotal time for you in terms of your faith development. And a lot happened. So let's break it down uh, into bite-sized yes. pieces. Let's start with your first year. And how would you say you your faith deepened uh, right away in your first year of college? Yeah, no, for sure. The, the Getting to college really did have an impact. And I think part of it is because... Um, I already talked about. I grew up in a very like faithful home, very Catholic home. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that like faith was a conversation that I had with peers, with my friends. Um, and so when I got to college, I started getting involved in the the Catholic campus ministry that we had uh, available to us. And it was like one of the first times where I felt like I was talking about the faith. Um, not just with, like, my family or people at church, but, like, actually peers, friends who are also striving to, to live the faith and know the faith more deeply. Um, and at a secular university in particular, that that has an impact on you because you see kind of, like, uh, the different routes that students go um, in, their, in their college life. And so seeing the Catholic community... What uh, really had an impact on me. There was something, something more there, uh, something deeper that that those students were living for, um, and I and I had a desire for that as well. Also, got really involved in not just the Catholic campus ministry, but some of uh, the non-denominational groups on campus. I remember being involved in the Campus Crusade and the Navigators and doing some Bible studies with them. So, just had a really a, a hunger uh, when I went to college to know the faith more deeply. Um, and to build friendships with those who who were also pursuing a life of faith, um, and so that that was that was definitely a, a gift, uh, a gift to have in college. Um, and then so. in this, and then in the um, summer after your first year of the summer between your first and second, you attended World World Youth Day, and and that had to have been pivotal for you. Oh my goodness! Yes, I love talking. It's funny because I wanted to come back to a World Youth Day friendship because of how impactful. But the Lord hasn't had it in the place yet. Uh, but I, I had the opportunity to go in uh, summer of 2008 uh, to Sydney, Australia, uh, where World Youth Day was. And I think I might have mentioned this uh, to you before, Elizabeth. Like there was like three things that I'd really say that stood out to me from World Youth Day. One like the universality of the church. Now, again, I had grown up kind of bouncing all over the place, so I knew the church existed everywhere, but to see so many people from so many different parts of the world in one place mm. at the same time was amazing. Um, and to see that they were there for the same reason, uh, that they, they, they were there because of their, their love for their Catholic faith, um, and even more so uh, the, for the Eucharist, um, which I, that was like the second thing that really probably the biggest thing that had an impact on me there. I had always kind of known what the church taught, but something for me at World Youth Day really clicked uh, with the Eucharist, where I was like, oh my goodness, like, it's just the real deal. This is Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, and we're all here because of that. Um, it's what unites us. So that, that, had a huge impact on me. And then the third thing was, there was a lot of young priests there. Um, so I've had a lot of great priests growing up throughout my life. Um, but when I was at World Youth Day, 
to see so many priests who were not that much older than me, I was like, oh, like maybe this is something that I can look into. So I'd say, especially those last two things really kind of prompted me to more seriously uh, think about the priesthood, gave me the kind of freedom to say, yeah, this is okay for me to think about, to look into. Um, and so when I went back to my sophomore year of college, I met with uh, the parish priest more regularly, had a lot of questions related to discernment, um, prayer, uh, just the faith in general, and then with that, kind of getting more involved with going to daily Mass, trying to go to holy hours when they had Eucharistic adoration available, uh, being more regular in uh, going to confession. Uh, these kind of things, which all definitely deepened my, my faith, uh, for, for sure. You're listening to Answering the Call. I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli with Father Chris Yakel from the Perry County Consortium of Parishes. He's sharing his journey today with us. Um, so you had this mountaintop experience. You didn't leave it on the mountaintop. You came back. You made these changes, as right. you were mentioning, adoration, mass. You're talking with Father Jeff, um, you know, yeah. getting some, some good discernment. Now, tell us how the military chaplain idea came into this picture. Yeah, so I, it was almost like simultaneous with kind of the the feeling of the cult of the priesthood. And the reason for that is because um, a lot of the priesthood had uh, growing up were military chaplains, were Air Force chaplains. Um, and uh, so it was just very natural for me when I was thinking about the priesthood to think about it from that perspective of a priest in the military. Um, and I also knew how great the need was. Um, the great is, of course, the need is, of course, very great today. But even then, um, when I was in college, the, the need was already um, very dire for for chaplains, the priest chaplains in the military. And so, right away, I was kind of looking into that. Um, and so, uh, Father Jeff, my parish priest, had encouraged me to reach out to some of the chaplains I knew um, to kind of get their perspective. And so I did, and one of them had invited me to go to a discernment uh, weekend with the Archdiocese for the military, uh, which was at a seminary out in California. It was my first time visiting a seminary, uh, kind of getting a feel for what uh, what the life of the priesthood is like, and more specifically, what its life in seminary is like, what it looks like, the process of becoming a priest. Um, and that was an amazing experience. I kind of came back from that, that was probably, I think, during my second year or third year of, of college, I came back from that particular experience thinking, you know, this is something I think I really could do, but for some reason, I knew it wasn't the right time. Um, I, I felt like I, I was loving my degree at the time, so I really wanted to, to finish that, um, and it just, it, I kept it kind of in the back of my mind, but I, I knew it wasn't the right time, so... Um, I, I went back to college and kind of persevered with that, but always there was that, that feeling, that nudge of like, oh, I, I think he might be called to be a priest and a chaplain. Um, and so that's something that I would eventually look into more and more. And I know another important part of your discernment process was the involvement you got uh, with Net Ministries after college. Tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so I was, uh, originally I was going to be going into something called the Mercy Volunteer Corps. So I was, I was really felt like a draw to do some type of mission work or service uh, towards the end of college. And so I wanted to use my degree. So I was, I was going to go to the Mercy Volunteer Corps, which um, it's basically like the Catholic Peace Corps. 
Um, right. and so I was going to be able to use my degree and at the same time be like being able to serve people. Um, but at that same time, this is my senior year, my sister, my older sister had been serving with uh, Net Ministries, and uh, she had loved her experience with that and reached out to me and said, hey, Chris, like, I think you need to look into this ministry. I think you would really enjoy it. Um, and you should at least pray about it. And, and so I did, um, and I got, uh, went to an interview retreat weekend, they called it, and when I experienced that, I was like, yeah, maybe I think this actually is what God has called me to do next mm-hmm. year. So NET stands for National Evangelization Team, um, and their mission is challenging young Catholics to love Christ and embrace the life of the Church. Um, and they're most well-known for traveling teams that kind of go around the country putting on retreats, confirmation retreats, retreats for youth groups or high schools. Um, I was on more of a unique team. I was on a school team. I think they call them discipleship teams now, uh, where I was just full-time at a Catholic school, uh, essentially working as a campus minister with several other young Catholic adults uh, who were sharing, uh, sharing our faith with the students and walking with them in their own faith journey uh, via Bible studies or small groups or whatever the the case may have been. Um, So that had a huge impact on me. Two things I think I really could summarize with that is taught me the importance of not just having a prayer life, but having a daily prayer life. Um, The importance of every single day starting your day in prayer and that realization that, you know, we can't give what we don't have. So they really hammered that home uh, uh, when I served with Net, and that has really stuck with me even now as a priest, uh, the importance of like, hey, if you're going to be sharing about Jesus, <laughs> you need to know Jesus intimately. That's right. And That's you right. do that by your, your prayer life. So, um, so that was huge. And then also the second thing is just uh, being an evangelist, regardless of what your state in life is, um, being able to find opportunities to share the gospel with others. Um, and so that time, I, I served with that for two years, but during my first year, um, it, <laughs> it became more and more clear that God was calling me to, to look into the seminary, to, to look in more seriously at the possibility of the priesthood. Because I think I had gotten to the point where I was like thinking about the priesthood almost every single day, and I was like, well, this is no accident. I think God is calling me to investigate. Repeat that last thing we cut, we cut out there a little bit. Oh, sorry. So I was I was just saying that I I I, I it, it became clear to me that God was calling me to investigate the priesthood a little bit more to to really take seriously discernment um, and looking into the possibility of entering seminary. Tell us the the story. You had a little sign that sort of gave you that nudge. You know, God always gives us a little sign oh, that's yeah. like, okay, oh I'm, gosh, I get I love it. This story. <laughs> it's my billboard. <laughs> yeah. So I I think God knew that I needed a little push. I mean, everything had been pointing of the direction of, Chris, it's time to enter a seminary. Chris, it's time to enter a seminary. Things had been, become pretty clear in my prayer life and just my kind of daily experiences. Um, but I had started, uh, this was during my first year, that I had started asking for the intercession of St. John Capistrano, uh, who is the patron saint of military chaplains. And so I would say just a very short breath, like, hey, you know, St. John, I think God might be calling me to be a priest, maybe even a chaplain, but I don't really know for sure. Can you pray for me? St. John, pray for me that um, if the Lord is calling me to this, um, that it would become more clear so I can 
kind of <laughs> know what to do. And then also uh, that my heart would be more and more prepared for that type of ministry. And within like a week of starting to ask for his intercession, um, on net you get these things called like partnership updates, and they kind of mm-hmm. update you on who's supporting your mission, because of course you have to, to fundraise to be able to, to go and serve. Um, and typically the people on your list are going to be people that you know that you've personally reached out to or businesses that you've contacted or churches. Um, but I had a few names on my list that I didn't recognize. Um, I came to find out because I, I hadn't yet raised the, the full amount that I needed. And so sometimes uh, NET would receive donors who would say, give this to a missionary who needs it. Right, who needs um, it, right. And so I, I needed uh, a few more donors. And so anyways, one of one of these donors, I like didn't recognize the name. And so when I went and looked at the list, they were from San Juan Capistrano, California. St. John <laughs> Capistrano, who I just started here. And that was like, I said, it, maybe the name had been there for like weeks or whatever, but I, I noticed it right after uh, starting this uh, to take out uh, St. John Capistrano, his intercession. So I kind of took that as a nudge of like, yep, it's time to apply for seminary um, and take that next formal step of discernment. Now, there's a unique co-sponsorship necessary when you want to pursue priesthood and military chaplaincy. So kind of explain that to us. Correct. Yeah, so how it works is um, the Archdiocese for the military serves um, all those in the military and their families, but the diocese does not uh, incarnate their own priests. So what they do is they have priests that are loaned to them from other dioceses or religious orders uh, to, to then serve, be released to them to then go serve as military chaplains. Um, so uh, for me, for example, my, my home diocese is here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and uh, the, how the co-sponsorship agreement works is it says, okay, um, this particular guy is going to be going through seminary, studying for his home diocese, so for me, the Diocese of Columbus, but it's also the plan for that he will eventually be released to serve as a military chaplain, um, and then after completing his military service, comes back to his home diocese. So uh, the Diocese of Columbus and Archdiocese for the military kind of co-sponsored me, it says, so they both support me in seminary, my seminary formation, um, and then uh, as seminary comes to an end, as you get ordained, uh, you serve in your home diocese, or if you're from a religious order, your religious order, for three years. Um, and during that time, you serve as a reserve chaplain, so you're still getting training kind of throughout seminary and throughout your first couple years of priesthood. Um, but after three years of active service as a priest in your diocese, that's when your home diocese then essentially loans you out, releases you to serve the archdiocese for the military, serve in whatever branch that you're called to serve, uh, to serve as a priest chaplain uh, for so many years before returning back to your home diocese. Wow. And that's kind of that, it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And for you, that has been a journey. You had the six years at the Josephinum. You were ordained May 25th, 2019. Your first um, assignment is with Perry County Consortium. That's that, that three years you were just mentioning. Um, and then right. eventually uh, you will then uh, move on to the, the chaplaincy. And you might be stateside. You may be abroad. You may be an active, you know, where there's conflict yeah. going on. I think, but, I think 
Go ahead. The line they always use, I forget who I, I forget who says this, but the line I always hear with the Archdiocese for the military, they say, uh, the sun never sets on the Archdiocese for the military, <laughs> because it's literally wherever military personnel are, and they're all over the world, so you're just wherever they are. Uh, you go wherever wherever you're needed as a priest. You know, and that's true, right? You you go wherever you're needed as a priest, and obviously now as a chaplain, too, you'll be going where you're needed. So as you look back and you look at that life, Father, how, you know, God seemed to prepare you perfectly with all that ability to adjust to all those different environments, moving around, new beginnings, new relationships, and and you have truly bloomed where you've been planted, and I am sure you will continue to do so, huh? Yeah, thank you. No, it, it really is amazing, and at the time of, of this recording, um, like, I've just kind of hit my two-year point as a priest, and so I've been really reflecting on uh, just the experiences I've had, and it's amazing how God uses uh, sometimes the most random experiences in your life to prepare you for something. <laughs> and, and so some things that just you wonder to yourself, like, why, why am I going through this, or what is the purpose of this? Um, a lot of times it works out years down the road that God had a plan for that. Um, and so I, I've certainly kind of seen that in my, my own vocation story, my own life, of how God has used uh, my different experiences from being a military brat or uh, whatever the case may have been to prepare me for where I'm at right here, right now, and probably what's to come. Right. And what would you say to others who may be kind of doing that same thing? They're kind of weighing their dreams, weighing their discernment, trying to figure it all out. What, what advice would you give them? Um, yeah, that's great. I, I'd say the biggest thing that people told me kind of throughout the discernment process, um, and even now more so, like, that that I am a priest and I've been a priest for a while, the most important thing you can do is just be faithful to the Lord. Seek a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, seek that more intimate relationship with Him in your prayer life, in the sacramental life, and stay close to Him, stay faithful to Him. So, so long as you do that, um, God will kind of guide you, wherever, whatever vocation you're called to, um, but he'll guide you down the path that, uh, that he has set aside specifically for you. A mission, he has a mission for each one of us that only uh, we can fulfill. Um, and so as long as we're faithful to him, keep that conversation going with the Lord, he's going to make it clear and reveal what it is uh, that he's calling you to do and how to do it. Well, Father Yeagle, those are great words. We will pray for you, and will you leave us with your blessing, please? Absolutely. Um, so just ask uh, that through the intercession of the Holy Family and all of the saints, uh, that all of the listeners this day would be blessed, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Chris Yakel. This is Elizabeth Ficicelli, host of Answering the Call. I hope you'll join us Saturdays and Sundays, 1230, for another edition. Have a great week. God bless you. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. So